Gospel according to Luke. Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste, to a town of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. And Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked upon his lowly servant. From this, from this day all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm, and has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones, and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. The Gospel of the Lord. So all of the hymns and uh, prayers and the scripture readings today make it very clear that at the heart of our church's prayer on this particular Sunday, of course, is uh, Little Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus. To understand a little bit more about Mary, really we need to kind of travel back in time, not just to her time, but beyond her time, to maybe, I don't know, five, six hundred years before even Mary's time even before the time of the great King David. And pay attention to the story of Sad Hannah. And Sad Hannah was a lady who lived, of course, in what is now Israel, the Middle East. And she was married to a very, very wonderful man. And he was a lovely husband to her. The only problem in her life, the problem that made Hannah sad, was that as the euphemism of the time said, the Lord had closed her womb, which is another way of saying she couldn't have children. And this was a big deal in those days. It's always a big deal. There was a very big deal in there because people would make fun of you if you were not able to have children. And even worse, they would presume the worst about you if you were not able to have children. Well, this is a great, great 
chastisement from God. So what did she do, or what did her parents do, or what did her grandparents do to deserve such a punishment as this? They must all be terrible sinners. So she had to live with that horrible sense of being looked at all the time with judgmental eyes, people saying, sad Hannah, she must really be a bad sinner, as with her family. So that was bad enough. But her, her wonderful husband, Elkanah, you know, loved her and loved her and loved her and tried to make her feel better about the fact that they weren't able to have any children. And he would say to her things like, you know, if I had ten, if you had ten children, they wouldn't love you as much as I love you. Beautiful thing to say. The problem besides that, though, is that Elkanah already had another wife. Monogamy wasn't a thing yet. So she, he's got this other wife, and the other wife is bearing children like crazy, one after another, after another, after another. And guess what? The other wife really, really, really dislikes Hannah. And she makes fun of Hannah, and she teases Hannah, and she makes herself proud because I'm the one producing children and you're not. And poor, sad Hannah feels day in and day out, every day of her life, in spite of the love of her husband, like a complete failure as a wife, and certainly as a mother, and as a person, might as well add. So one, one year, they all decide to go up and spend some time worshiping the Lord. This was before there was a big temple in Jerusalem, so they went to this holy place called Shiloh. And there was a priest at Shiloh, and they would offer sacrifices and offer their prayers. And so the whole family goes up to Shiloh, as they did every year. And, of course, sad Hannah goes with them. And sad Hannah goes into whatever kind of a temple they have there. And she begins to just weep and weep and weep and her eyes are running and she's sobbing and she's praying to God and also, you know, why can't this, why did this happen to me and what's wrong with me and why can't I do anything right and why does everybody make fun of me? I don't know what I ever did wrong to deserve this, God. And the tears are pouring out of her and she's just shaking with emotion in the temple. And, and finally, the the priest of the temple by the name of Eli. Caesar takes note of poor sad Hannah as she weeps and shakes with, with, with the utmost feelings of terrible guilt and hurt and everything. And he goes up to her and being, in this case, not a very sensitive guy, says, because you've been drinking way too much and, 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 you know, take your wine with you. And she just turns around and she looks at Eli and she says, I have not been drinking. I don't drink wine. I don't drink anything else. I am crying because I'm praying to God. And she tells Eli all that's happened to her. And Eli, as a change of heart, realizes he made a terrible, terrible mistake. And gives little sad hand and embrace it and prays for her and says, maybe... God in his goodness will open your womb. Well, they all go back to their place. And sure enough, God in his goodness 
oldest Katniss womb, and she has one child, a baby boy. They name him Samuel. Sammy for short, I suppose. And she is just delighted because the curse and the, the disrespect and the anger and all that has suddenly been lifted, and sad Hannah is no longer sad Hannah. She is happy Hannah. And happy Hannah knows that this has been God's work in her life. So what does she do? She goes back up to Shiloh with her husband Elkanah. And they go see Eli, the priest. And they say, this child is a gift from God given to us. And therefore we give Samuel back to God. And we entrust him to you Raise him in the ways of God and to make of him a priest and prophet. And Eli accepts the gift and raises Samuel. And Samuel indeed goes on to become one of the great priests and prophets of Israel. In fact, he's the one who anoints King Saul and later on King David. So he's a very so anyway, the beautiful thing that happens up there at Shiloh is as soon as Happy Hannah has turned over her child to Eli, she sings a song, as we always do, especially if we're in biblical times. It's kind of like Broadway, Broadway and the Bible mix. So Hannah breaks out in a hymn. And this is just a part of her hymn. My heart exalts in the Lord, my strength is exalted in my God. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feet of strength. Those who are full have hired themselves for bread, hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry are fat with spoil. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low, he also exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. It's a beautiful hymn. You can almost see Happy Hannah dancing as she sings these words. Now, if these words sound a little bit familiar or resonate a little bit or echo or you say, haven't I heard those before? The answer is almost, well, is certainly yes because you heard them very similar words just moments ago in Luke's Gospel that was proclaimed by Deacon Brian. Luke, when he's writing initial chapters of his story of Jesus has plenty about Mary. Just a few verses before, of course, the angel Gabriel comes to her and announces that she's going to be the mother of the Savior, and she says yes to that, and then she goes off and visits her cousin Elizabeth, and there they meet at the door of Elizabeth's down in, in Judah. So what happens then is really important. Because Luke takes the empty womb 
of Hannah and gives that over to Elizabeth, who also, of course, will give her only son eventually to the Lord. But the hymn of Hannah, he gives to Mary. He takes the words of Hannah's hymn, not quite word from word, but a lot of it, and places it in Mary's mouth as she too sings with Elizabeth and probably dances as well. They're beautiful words, and Luke does this for an important reason. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on, generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promises he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. Now, there's a lot of praise in there because Mary obviously, like Hannah, is thrilled and happy to be a vessel of God's will. But there's another reason why Luke puts this beautiful hymn into Mary's mouth at the opening of the Gospel. Because within there, there's also important information or an important insight or an important knowledge of God that will uphold Mary throughout the rest of her life and help her understand what is going to become of her son. Through all the ups and downs of his life, especially the downs of rejection, the words of this hymn explain it all. God is at work in our lives. God is at work in my life. God does wonderful things for us. Yet, there are people who are conceited and proud and they stand high on their pillars. And there are people who are lowly and hungry and who are poor, who are trodden down. There are people who are persecuted and oppressed. There are people who are murdered for no good reason. And yet, God remains. God remains at work. God in his power, in his goodness, in his great love for us can take the powerful and the conceited and knock them off their big horses. And he can take the lowliest of the lowly and lift them up from their ash heap. And he can take even the barren womb or the virgin womb and fill it with life. And maybe most of all, most important for Mary and for Luke as he tells Jesus the story, God who is with us, who deserves our praise and our thanksgiving and our honor, this God who loves his people, especially the poor and the lonely and the hungry and the burdened and the barren, this God can take even death 
death on a cross on a hot Friday afternoon of a just and good and holy and godly man and give life. You can take the dead and raise them up. And for this, Mary and Elizabeth and Hannah and the church continue to sing. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior.